Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. Today's message is, remember, it's Pastor Philip Thomas. Today, you know, whenever you do have, uh, you know, obvious holidays like this, and Memorial Day is, a, is obviously a holiday that we, we should all embrace and celebrate, you always wonder, okay, do we make it that specific? Do we make that the theme of the service? You know, there's different ways to go, go about it. And, um, you know, so I, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about Memorial Day, I just started thinking about, um, you know, how we memorialize things. You know, how, how do we make sure we remember uh, important events? And so, of course, you know, you start thinking, well, throughout the Bible, what are, are there different places? And, of course, all throughout the Old Testament, and we've, we've kind of talked about that before, all throughout the Old Testament, there were very specific things that people did to memorialize, to remember when God had done something big. And so we're going to look at the life of, of an interesting individual, um, his name is Jacob, all right, um, and, and something that, that he did, and, and so this kind of is going to be at least a two-part uh, little sermon. There's a couple of different areas of his life that I really want to hit. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 28 uh, here in a minute, but part of remembering and memorializing is making sure we also know history, right, which is becoming a lost art, <laughs> You know, it's you know, history kind of gets you know. Well, all the coaches go and teach history uh, in in high school. You can kind of make an argument that history may be the most important thing that we need to be teaching. Like, I I think history impacts my life a lot more than what two x times four. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I'm, uh, there's a little cynicism there, but I do think it is important that that we understand history. And, uh, and so in our, in our faith, do we understand, you know, kind of how we got to this place, right? And, uh, and so if, if you start in Genesis, obviously, it starts kind of with what, what could be considered prehistory, right? Genesis chapters 1 through 12 is kind of prehistory. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means that it's, it's, kind, of, it's, it's kind of hard for us to figure out exactly what's going on. There's, this isn't necessarily a, a, a timetable. It's not the way that we think about, uh, about how, how we think about history today. Um, and, but God is, is working. He's, he's creating the world. Uh, things are starting to take form. Um, and God kind of progressively reveals himself to the world, right? There's, it's, it's a, you know, it's called progressive revelation if you, you want to look at it that way. So God is starting to reveal himself to the world in a different way. And, uh, and so um, the first kind of historical person that, that we would consider would probably be Abraham, right? He is the, the father um, of, of uh, the Jewish people. And God calls him. He, and, and again, we don't know. It's, it's really interesting. We don't know how did this happen. You know, what, what's going on here? But, but Abraham was credited as a man of great faith because he picked up his family and he started moving them across the desert, um, you know, to, to what's now the nation of Israel, right? And, uh, and, and so we, we see that. We see Abraham. Uh, Abraham is a flawed individual, right? But what God is doing, he says, I'm going to 
to create a people group that is going to represent me in the world so that everyone will know that I am God. That's this, this kind of the short version of this, right? And, uh, but Abraham is flawed. And, uh, and, and, and Abraham and Sarah, do you remember they were, Sarah was barren and then they laughed because they didn't believe that, that God would give them a son, but God gives them a son and, uh, and you have Isaac, right? And so now the people group is starting to grow. Um, and that, that progression goes from Abraham to Isaac. Um, Isaac is a, a pretty decent uh, guy, it seems. He doesn't, doesn't go off the rails too much. Um, but, uh, but again, I, I also want you to think back to, to what's going on here. There are no churches. There's no priests. There's no synagogue. Right? It's kind of a different way that God is relating to this people group. The, he hasn't given the law to, to Moses at this time. So all that we think of when we think of God, we think of in a religious context, right? Now, we don't like the term religious anymore, right? But that's what we think about it in that context. There was none of that at this time. Abraham had an experience with God, and he was faithful to that experience, and, he was, and God gave him a promise that he would make a great people, and he would give them this land. And Abraham believed it, and, uh, and he lived that. I have no doubt that he passed that on to his sons, right? And, uh, and Isaac had to experience that for himself. Again, they didn't go to church every Sunday, right? How many of us, the, the way that we started our faith in God was just because our parents took us to church, right? Well, this was just because your, Abraham was telling Isaac, hey, this is what God did, right? And Isaac believed that. He was passing that down, I have no doubt. But the, problem with, the only problem really that you see with Isaac in Scripture, if you, if you want to nitpick, right, because all these are just humans, they all have uh, problems, is that Isaac and his wife, uh, Rachel, they had favorites on their twin sons, right? That's never a good thing to do. And, you know, we can all admit that we have favorite children. You just don't do it out loud, right? right? Oh, your actions can't look that way, right? You have to cover it up. Well, they didn't. Isaac loved Esau, who was the older. Rachel loved Jacob, who was the younger. And in that day, the cultural setting there, right, was that the older got all of the, the birthright. It, wasn't, it didn't mean that the younger was just cast out and couldn't do anything, but they didn't carry on the family name. The family name would go through the older traditionally. But it was something that was passed down. And so if you remember, um, at one point Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, right? which really he couldn't do, right? Because it really came from Isaac to who Isaac was going to give it to, which was always the older son. But it kind of showed how Esau was pretty flippant with his uh, birthright, right? And so, so Jacob kind of steals it that way. But then Isaac is getting to the point where he knows he could die at any time, and so he's going to officially give that birthright away. Rachel hears Isaac talking to Esau and says, Jacob, you need to go in there and fool your, your uh, father. Thankfully, he's nearly blind, right? And so you can <laughs> pretend to be Esau. 
And so Jacob goes in, pretends to be Esau, receives the birthright. And so, you know, and I guess we, you can view it as today is like the, you know, uh, probating a will, right? When that will is probated, even if grandma gives all of her stuff to the dog Fluffy, it, it doesn't matter. It's like legally that's, it's kind of done. Well, that's kind of the way I, I view what was happening there. Is that because, you know, you can read, you know, in, in there and you can say, well, why didn't Isaac, when he realized the, the, what had happened, just say, no, I'm going to give it to Esau? Well, it was, it was kind of an official transaction in their minds, right? They, they were bound by that. And, uh, and, and Isaac gives this uh, wonderful blessing uh, to Jacob. And so now Jacob has the birthright. So now the people, the, this God's people, is going to go through Jacob. Now, I, I want us to step back a little bit. This is fascinating to think about. So God has decided that he's going to use this people group to reveal himself to the world. So he's going to work through this flawed group of people. And by the third generation, you already have a guy who has now stolen the birthright and, and a guy who kind of didn't think the birthright was important enough to fight for, right? Don't you know God is like, oh, this is going in a bad direction already. It's like, this is real early on, right? And so, so now you have Jacob. Esau is much more manly. That's kind of how the, if, if, you, if you will, he's, he's the hunter. He's the, the tough guy. So he could take Jacob out. And so Jacob realizes, hey, I need to get out of here. I need to leave. So he starts to flee. Now, um, and, and that's where we, what we, we find in Jacob experiences something that, that I'm sure is, is life-changing. Um, and, and again, I, I think it's important, though, to know all of this history before we get up to this point. Because, again, Jacob knew about God, but I don't know if he really had any kind of, <laughs> any real investment with God. Right? And how many of us, Honest, if we're honest with ourselves, we go, grow up being told about God. But when do we get to that point where we say, you know what? No, this is what I'm going to believe as well. This is what I'm going, how I'm going to live my life as well. Well, Jacob finally had that moment. Again, right after he stole the birthright and he's fleeing for his life, God decides, well, you know what? I'm going to remind this guy. So Genesis chapter 28 says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. I'm glad that it's 2019. I don't have to sleep on a stone. <laughs> he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you. Wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. 
When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. All right. So this is, this is just is a pretty, pretty neat scene. And, uh, and I love how it, it just kind of sets it up. There, there really wasn't anything special that Jacob did, again, right? He's just, he's just running, right? And, uh, and it gets dark, and that's where he puts his head down. And it's funny that it mentions that specifically, right? This wasn't a specific place that he was going. You know, he, he wasn't going there thinking, oh, this is, this is where I'm going to meditate or to reflect or to experience God. No, this is just a regular old place. And yet God does something amazing, right? And he, he, has, he has a vision. He has a, a very clear dream. I, I kind of, uh, it's different. I, I read this. This is different than like a dream that we have, right? That's kind of fuzzy, that's kind of all over the place, that kind of has that random person that you knew for two months back in high school that all of a sudden pops into your dream. You're like, where'd they come from? You know, that's not the dream that we're talking about here, right? We're talking about a very specific uh, message from God. That God is reaching out to Jacob, this guy who just stole the birthright and is now fleeing for his life. God is going to remind him, hey, that promise that I gave Abraham, your granddad, and Isaac, your father, that's going through you now. You have some responsibility. God's reminding him, hey, that promise I made, it's still there. And it's with you. And I love this picture, right? It's called Jacob's Ladder, uh, the stairwell. You know, there's all kinds of different ways. You know, it's amazing how much detail people have gone into trying to dissect exactly what this uh, means. I, I think it's, to me, I, I, I think a lot of the times it's the simple uh, picture. But if I'm having a dream and there's a stairway to heaven and the Lord is on top and his messengers are coming back and forth, it means that God is is pretty active in what's going on in the world. And he's going to be with me wherever I go. Right? He's going to be there. He said, here's what I've promised. I'm, I'm not forgetting it. I'm not just up and in in, in sitting on a throne somewhere. No, I'm actively uh, involved in what's going on. Right? I am present with you. I've promised, and, and there was a specific promise that's not necessarily for us, right, that he was giving Jacob. I'm promising you that your descendants will, will spread out and that the, the, this, this land is what I will give you, right? But I think the general promise applies to us as well. I think the general promise of that God is present and active in our lives, that that is still <laughs> valid today, right? And he's reminding Jacob 
of this promise. And all of a sudden, Jacob is no longer believing in a God of his father's. He's believing in his God. That's a big difference. It's a real big difference. And so he wakes up, and he knows, he actually says that he was afraid. Isn't that interesting? After, after a, a dream, after a vision, he realized he was in the presence of God. Right? And so what did he do? Is He makes a monument. He makes it so that I'm going to remember this place. So he takes, the, he takes his really comfortable rock pillow, right? And, he, and he, he makes an altar, basically, just so that this, acknowledging, I want to remember this. And not only does he do that, but he, he, he puts some skin in the game now. He says, okay, if this is what you've promised me, and if, if, that, if, and if you, you're doing that, then I am also going to invest in you, right? And he says, I'm going to give, give a tenth. This is, again, where the basic tradition of the tithe comes from. Right? So I'm going to give, give a tenth. I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to live out this promise that you have told me about. And then Jacob goes on with his life, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But I think this is really instructive for us. Because how often do we, and and we we say this, we know this, of what we're raised with many times is kind of the direction we end up going, right? And and you see that in faith all the time, right? You know, if, if you're raised going to church, there's a good chance that you're going to at least have some sort of faith leaning in that direction. But it's Many times it can be just a very nominal faith unless you make it yours, right? And, and it was important for Jacob to know that, hey, those promises that God had given granddad and dad, those apply to me as well, even though I haven't really lived up to it, right? That is so important for us to embrace you know, and, and within this room, there's people here who some of their parents may not have had any faith, right? And you, you found that faith on your own. Some of you have had me. I had a, an unbelievable childhood in that, that way, right? My parents showed me the love of God from the very beginning. But there was a time and a moment where I had to get to that place where I said, okay, that's great. That's their faith. And they've shared that with me, but I'm going to have to embrace that as well. You know, and, and, and there wasn't a moment that I had any kind of a vision or anything like that because I don't think that's not the normal way that God works, right? But God clearly will work in our life. And I can kind of remember that time after college, I'd been a youth pastor, you know, part-time during college, and then now I was working in the, the quote, real world um, in sales, and it just was unsettling. And it was like, something's not right. And then all of a sudden, some opportunities come to start to get back into ministry. And it, it was just, you realize, wait, God is, God's calling me to something different. And I had to determine right then, it, it's not that I hadn't already believed in God. I, I'd already had. But that was kind of one of those moments like, wait, this is, 
This is going to be the direction of my life. And it's coming because of my faith in God, because of where I believe he's leading me to go. Right? That's what Jacob is experiencing here. And so no longer is this God just the God of Abraham and Isaac. Now it's the God of Jacob because he has embraced that. It's important for us to remember our history, to remember the faith of our fathers and mothers and our grandparents. But at some point, he has to be your God. You have to say, yes, I am going to follow him. I am going to allow him to lead my life. And I'm going to give back and I'm going to invest into that relationship. Make sure you remember that. Don't go sleep on a rock tonight. But take some time to remember. Remember when was it that God grabbed a hold of you and said, I want to be your God. And you said, I want you to be my God. And you didn't rely on the faith that was in the past. All of a sudden it became real to you. And now start investing in those promises. Because that wonderful vision of God being present in our lives is still applicable today. Because he invests in your life and in my life. Let's remember that he is our God. And let's live for him each and every day. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.